got on Instagram to read Philippians 4, 8, and 9. And just to let those, uh, let those words kind of sink into our brains at the very beginning of the day, hopefully keep them there for, for the rest of the day. And as we, as we transition today, we're going to see how that, that internal can transition and become external. So I'm going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at just three verses, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. Here we go. You have heard it said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answer answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then, come and offer your gift. So we're going we're gonna to break that down into pieces a little bit, and then uh, talk more specifically about how we actually go and be reconciled. We're going to start right there in, in verse 22. Um, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So anger, like one of the most important things, we talked about thoughts last week, right? The internal world is made up of our thoughts and our emotions. And especially, uh, especially for guys, we have to recognize the fact that we do have emotions. They're there and they're real. Um, we have to recognize them, we need to identify them, and then we need to take some steps to deal with them. And the thing about anger, anger is tricky because it is very rarely, it's more of like a, a presenting issue than the root. Underneath anger, there's usually something like frustration or disappointment or sadness or selfishness. Um, I spent the better part of this week I shared with some of our leadership team, I spent the better part of this week really, really angry um, for a variety of reasons, just stuff in my life. Basically, um, it was a middle-aged man equivalent of a tantrum because I wasn't getting my way. I wasn't getting what I wanted when I wanted it. And what I needed to be doing was taking my own sermon application, which I was. I was reading um, Philippians 4, 8, 9, being in the morning, and thankfully, the Holy Spirit, the part of God that comes to reside in us when we come to faith in Jesus, was doing a work in me. And he reminded me of the, the, severe, the seriousness of that internal world and what that anger could do and how it was eating me up on the inside. And I was able to, to move on. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. So this is where the internal becomes the external, right? We talked a little bit last week about how Jesus said, it's not what we eat, not what we put into our body that defiles us, but what comes out because it comes out of the heart. Our words are powerful. In, in the, the Jewish context of this day, the seriousness of these words, your, when somebody called you a name, they were attacking your identity. And so therefore they were attacking your, your value because they thought everybody had worth because they were image bearers of God, just like we do. Everybody's created in the image of God. And when you would 
cast a dispersion on them, call them a name, it would attack that identity. Those two specific words in there, Raka, it would be the equivalent of somebody calling me worthless or useless. And the word fool would be kind of the equivalent of somebody calling me godless or even like a, a heretic. Uh, and those words, Jesus was saying, it's not just your actions, not just your thoughts, right? Those words are also equivalent to doing harm to somebody, right? The point of, of the value of the, of the human being. Therefore, you are offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. So this, therefore, is kind of a, a key to the connecting where Jesus starts by um, refocusing people's attention to the fact that murder is not just the physical act of taking someone's life. If you are angry with someone, if you call them a name, you are committing that same crime. He's asking people to look inside and see what is going on in their heart. He's elevating the, the importance of that. So it, it, it's the connection between us and them, right? So if I, if I wrong, like just as an example, if I do something that upsets Gail, my wife, and cause her to become angry, not only have I hurt her, but I put her in a position where there's an obstacle between she and Jesus. I'm causing her to, to sin, to do wrong. That, that therefore is huge. It's a big part of this morning's message that our, our behaviors have an impact on, on those around us. Um, there is a connection, as we look at that, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. Our mission is love God, love others. This leave your gift, I, I found it interesting, you know, I've read this passage many, 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 many times, but it never really occurred to me, like, why, why would the instruction be there to leave your gift? Why, why would you not just take it with you, go be reconciled? Because it's there, because there's a connection between loving God and loving others. Right? God wants our relationships with each other to be clean and clear and our accounts to be short. Then he wants our best. He wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And we cannot do that if we do not have clear accounts with each other. So just kind of some key words and key thoughts. But the big idea for this morning is this idea of go and be reconciled. And this is... This is not, as I was getting ready for this, I was just, I was really praying that um, we all would just be moved and that the Holy Spirit would do a work in us because, like, no, no, none of us want to fess up and say, man, I screwed up. Especially if it's somebody, you know, the passage refers to our brothers and sisters, our, our family, our crossroads community. If we hurt somebody that we care about, that they've invested in us, we've invested in them, nobody wants to think about that. And then to go admit to that person that you screwed up, um, it it causes us to we have to be humble. Right, seeking forgiveness is impossible without humility, and we have to be vulnerable. When we come before somebody and we admit our wrongdoing, we are opening ourselves wide up. I'm not sure if the lady in this picture is going to accept, accept this dude's apology or not. <laughs> you 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 don't you don't know. 
Um, so I'm going to kind of go through, hopefully, and these concepts come from uh, Christian counselors, some suggestions about how we can all, since we're all human and we're all going to make mistakes and we're all going to hurt each other, how we can get better at going and being reconciled, how we can get better at seeking forgiveness. So the first one is the Holy Spirit prompts. I mentioned earlier, when we come to faith in Jesus, part of God, God himself, not God, part of God, all of God comes to live inside us, reside in us, and he has lots of jobs. He comforts when we need comforting. He he directs. One of the things that he does is that he convicts. And that means it's that gentle nudge, like, hey, you need to go apologize. For me, it's usually a slap in the back of the head, right, or a kick in the pants. You need to step up and do something. And here, this is just like a little side note. We talked uh, in the first week of the Matthew series that the more we respond to Jesus, the more Jesus we get. The same is true of the Holy Spirit. The more we respond to the Holy Spirit's promptings in our lives, whether it's going and being reconciled or going and sharing your faith with somebody or going and serving the poor, the more we respond to the Holy Spirit, the more Holy Spirit we get the more he will work in us and through us, we become aware of his presence. Admit to yourself you made a mistake. I'm guilty, no excuses. That's, that's hard to say, that's hard to do. Um, God's timing is, God just must laugh at me so much. I must just like, just make him chuckle all the time. Because I just finished like Saturday nights, I do like a last minute run through. I'll look at my slides. I'll get my thoughts together. And as I'm trying to do that, my mom is texting me. And it's not, a, it's, it's, it's a rough exchange. It, we get on the phone and it's a rough phone call. And I, I get off the phone. It was my fault. And I get off the phone. I'm like, really? Like, I got to preach on seeking forgiveness tomorrow. I actually have to go seek forgiveness. Like, as I'm preparing, come on. <laughs> so my mother is an incredibly gracious woman and she knows my tendencies and I, I apologized and she she accepted it and just we, we were able to able to move on um, what we need to be really careful of not to do is to think that there's any any harm that we've caused to another person that Jesus can't forgive or won't forgive, right? I know that we have to think of that in terms of God's perspective, right? That would be like saying something that we did would make Jesus's work on the cross not sufficient. There, and because we need to seek God first, that enables us to go pursue, pursue others. And all we have to do, all we have to do is ask, right? So from there we go and we ask, we seek Jesus' forgiveness. Um, I don't think I put this one in the, uh, in the computer, so I'm just going to read it to you. This is 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's a promise from God that if we confess our sins, he will forgive it. It doesn't say we'll just forgive the little ones, we'll just forgive the big ones. If we confess our sins to God, he will forgive us. So that's kind of the pre-work. That's the stuff, that's the internal work we need to do, that's the work we need to do with Jesus. And then 
Then there's the, the face-to-face stuff. And this is obviously harder. We need to, whatever we did wrong, it's important that we name it. I'm sorry that I lied to you. I'm sorry that I cheated. I'm sorry that I hurt you. Whatever, whatever it might have been, give it, give it a name so that um, the person that you're apologizing to, the person whose forgiveness you're seeking, knows that you're not just trying to smooth things over and make an uncomfortable situation go away, that you really care about the relationship and you want to move things forward. Recognize and acknowledge the emotions involved on both sides. When I, Debbie, when I lied to you, I know that it, it crushed you and it broke our trust. And it's making me sick inside. To address both sides of that, you acknowledge that you've done harm to the other person and you acknowledge that the fact that you have done harm to the other person is, is greatly upsetting you. You acknowledge both sides of that point. And then finally, you ask the specific question. You say, you ask, will you forgive me? By asking that question, when, you, when we do harm to a friend, to a brother, to a loved one, when we do harm, part of what we do is we take control from that person. And by asking the question, by saying, will you forgive me, you give control back to them. Once you ask the question, you need to be still, and you need to not be defensive, and you need to give the other person time and space. Right? There may not be an immediate response. There might be some distance. There might be like it might be. It could be a couple days, right? But you have done your part. Jesus commands us to go and be reconciled. You've done your part. Now you gotta have to give the other person their time and their space so that they can think through your apology. They can think through the situation. Um, there, so I can. I'll put some links up to those those counseling pages. The counselors. Who I consulted to get that information, but just really practical, tactical things that we can do when Jesus says, go and be reconciled. And like I said, we're all human, so we're all going to make mistakes and we're all going to hurt each other. But this is super, super important for those who are in positions of authority. Is that, did the picture come up behind me yet? Hey, Kate, I just I've lost the connection, so you're going to be driving. Um, that's a picture of Coach Gilbert. If, if you are in a position of authority, if you're a coach, if you're a teacher, if you're a boss, if you're a parent, setting the example of seeking forgiveness when we've done harm, when we've done wrong, is so, so important, so valuable. And in the discipleship of our children, if, if we're teaching, we're, you know, and in a public school setting, you can't outwardly disciple, but your actions. That's my phone ringing. We forgive you. Thank you. I didn't even have to ask. No, it wasn't my mom. It was one of my children. Um, they should know that, right? At 10 o'clock. 
All right, where were we? Authority figures, right? The importance of the, the example that you set, the, um, what it says to the other person, especially when there's a clear differentiation, boss, employee, teacher, student. There's a kind of like a higher perceived and a, and a lower perceived. That the significance of that relationship that's communicated when somebody in a position of power seeks forgiveness is huge. And it can't, like, Stephen, we still, I mean, it was a funny story because he got punched in the face mask, but we still talk about how our coach went to him and sought his forgiveness and how much that said about, about Coach Gilbert. So I wanted to take a few minutes. We talk a lot about loving God and loving others. And the way that Jesus did that is the way that we want to pursue it, so much so that we call it our focus. Look up, lean in, and reach out. And as we think about these ideas, like Jesus never, never sinned, right? He never had to, he never had to seek forgiveness from anyone. As we think about this idea of look up, lean in, and reach out, that's the way that Jesus lived his life. That's the way we want to live our life. And it, those three aspects, the three points of that triangle are so impacted by this idea of going and being reconciled. If we could, we're going to look at um, Psalm 51, I think it's verse 4. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. That was David who wrote that psalm, and he was writing, it was a, a the whole psalm is a confession. <laughs> for the rape of Bathsheba and the murder of her husband. And he says in there that, I, God, I sinned against you. Because any offense is first and foremost an offense against God. And that doesn't make what he did to Bathsheba or to Uriah any less horrible. It, as a matter of fact, it makes it that much more horrible. It affects our ability to worship God, I use the phrase in spirit and in truth. Our slate with other people, our accounts with other people affect our ability to worship God in spirit and in truth. That next verse says, the Lord detests the sacrifices of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. We cannot worship God in spirit and in truth if our brother or sister has something against us. It's, it's impossible, God's saying that right there. We need to clear our accounts so we can look up with an unobstructed view and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Can we put that next slide up? Seeking forgiveness from others honors the forgiveness that we have received from Jesus. Uh, we're gonna look at Philippians 2, 3 and 4. Do nothing of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Love God, love others. If we're to truly love others, we have to have their best interests in body, mind, and spirit in the front of our minds. We want to do what we can to help them, to benefit them, 
to um, give them honor. And we also want to do what we can to help them grow in their faith in Jesus, to help them march towards him in the road of faith, to help keep their journey walking down that path. And if if we, that, that therefore, right in the middle of the Matthew passage, therefore, if you are at the altar and you realize your brother has something against you, go. There's a connection between that person and us. And we, by harming them, not only do harm to them in spirit and in mind, and maybe unfortunately even in body, but we interfere with their walk with Jesus. That should motivate us to go and seek that forgiveness. Uh, seeking the forgiveness of others, it honors the significance of our relationships with them. It honors the forgiveness we receive from Jesus. It honors the significance of our relationships with others. I want to look at one last piece of scripture this morning, and that is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 17 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, hope servers, I'm going to stop right there. Um, Christ's ambassadors. We are called, when we become new creations in Christ, when we come into a relationship with Christ, we are called to be his representatives to the world, both to each other as we gather in groups and for coffee and here to, in, our, in our worship gathering, but also as we look to reach out to a, a world that is hurting and broken and trying to figure out how to live this life, we are called to be ambassadors. An ambassador is meant to represent the person sending them. We are meant to represent Jesus. We are to think and act and speak and do the things that Jesus would do if he were in our place. Think about the alternative I was going to say alternative lifestyle that usually has a different reference, but think about the alternative lifestyle that you could present if you went to work on Monday morning and people are talking about their weekend or whatever, somebody asked you how your weekend was, and instead of like spouse bashing or complaining about your kids, you were able to go and say, yeah, my spouse and I, we got into it and I just realized it was on me and I went and I apologized and just kind of fessed up and, and kind of threw myself at, at our mercy and she forgave me, and we were able to move on, and just, man, we had a great rest of the weekend. Imagine the, di like, the difference that that would make. Just that, just in relaying, opening yourself up, being vulnerable, relaying that little bit of a story, and giving somebody an alternative look at how life might be. You never know where that conversation would go. How could, like, how could you, really? How, why, how can you and your wife do that? Well, we both spent a lot of time trying to follow Jesus and the love that we receive from Jesus, the forgiveness that we receive from him. 
It's kind of how we feel like we're supposed to treat each other. That, that would be an awesome representation of, of Jesus to the world, an awesome job as, uh, as the ambassador. Um, there's one last slide with the other text, I think. Um, I think it says something to the effect of seeking forgiveness from others honors the role that we've been given as ambassadors of Jesus. So it, it honors the forgiveness we receive from Jesus. It honors the significance of our relationships with others. It honors the role that we have been given as ambassadors. Seeking forgiveness is not easy. I don't even think it would be like in the top 100 things, things that I would do if I were given a choice. It just... It's difficult, it's humbling, and but it's something that Jesus calls us to do. And if we want to be real, if we want to have growing relationships, if we want to have relationships that reflect the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of Jesus to the world, if we are serious about loving God and loving others the way Jesus did, by looking up, leaning in and reaching out, then we've got to be serious about seeking forgiveness and going and being reconciled.